Hello, hello, and welcome to The Art of Being You with me, Rachel Wortman. You guys, this podcast is all about learning to be who God created you to be, embracing that person, and ultimately living your best life with Jesus. We've got a lot of great content today, so let's get to it in The Art of Being You. Welcome to the podcast, everybody. Today is going to get awkward, so buckle up your seatbelts, plug your ears, mom, because we are talking about masturbation. And I cannot tell you how many times over the years of my ministry I've had questions from people about masturbation, people who believe unequivocally that it's not a sin and others who believe unapologetically that it is. Today we're going to be tackling that question. Is masturbation a sin? Ultimately because I believe that you and I are called to be sexually healthy people. And because of our culture and the way our culture works, it's just really hard to be sexually healthy these days without intentional forethought. And what I mean by that is we have to actually have thought about what we believe, search the scriptures on our own, present our bodies to Jesus, have honest conversations with our spouses, and even still there might be some need for greater insight in how to be sexually healthy. I mean, these days, modern society is crazy. We're still not quite as crazy as the Romans or the Greek society were back in Jesus's day. So I'm very thankful for that. But wow, things are headed that direction, it would appear. So we got to deal with this. We've got to talk about it. We've got to get comfortable in approaching sex the way that the Bible approaches it. And let me just go on record first and foremost of having said that God created sex and it wasn't just for procreation. I mean, obviously that is the significant reason why people have sex because the world does not continue unless babies are made and babies are made through having sex. But I don't believe that is the fullness of what it's for. I believe God created sex for the context of marriage to be an incredible thing that helps connect spouses together. But there's a lot of questions about what counts as, quote, biblically legal in the realm of sex with your spouse. So let's just assume for the moment that you and I are in agreement that sex is designed to be preserved for marriage And that any sex outside of marriage is illegal in the kingdom of God, meaning it's a sin. So are you going to be smote with a lightning bolt? Probably not. But you're also probably not going to understand the effects that that's going to have on your life. If you are a young person and you're having sex with people, um, you are not going to understand how that's going to affect your adulthood later, especially when you find your partner for life. You are not going to understand that now. And you just need to take it from me. There's a reason why God relegates sex to inside the marriage covenant. When you are married, a husband and a wife come together, they have sex, and it is a it should be a very freeing experience. It's often not because we're usually carrying baggage from our life, but that's sort of another podcast episode I might do in the future. I don't know. So today I want to talk about is masturbation a sin? And I know a lot of people have a lot of thoughts about this. Here's what I want to say first and foremost about this particular question. I want to challenge you, if you've ever asked this question, to ask yourself a different question. 
Why are we so prone to finding loopholes to justify sin? So what is it about our relationship with sin that makes us want to figure out exactly where the line is so that we can come all the way up to the line and just not go over? What does it say about how we see God that that's what's in our minds? We could take this same process and apply it to alcohol and drinking. So what is it that makes us say, if I'm drunk by myself and no one else is around, maybe that's okay. Uh, You know, we push the boundaries in that way. We could use this to apply to all kinds of things. What is it inside of us that wants to find a loophole? What are we believing about God that it's, it's like we're misunderstanding who he is when we're trying to find the loopholes in his word. Our relationship with God is not like a checkbox of things. Well, I didn't do this and I didn't do this. I didn't do this. Therefore, I am right with God. The crazy thing is that in Jesus, we are right with God. He becomes our righteousness and his righteousness counts for our righteousness. So our sin becomes a condition of the flesh And it's like a whole different thing than when we're looking and saying, is God pleased with me based on how much or how little I'm sinning? That's really how the old covenant works. The new covenant in the kingdom of God doesn't work like that. God is not limited by how we sin. He's not withholding himself back from us when we sin, uh, but he's also invited us into a freedom from sin that most people are pretty unaware of. So when we talk about something like masturbation, and here's the truth about it. The Bible is very unclear, very unclear. I think this is why some people I know and love would say masturbation is not a sin. It's no big deal. And others would say, no, it absolutely is a sin. And so let's explore some of the nuance in that. Let's just get really honest for a second. You cannot, I don't know, maybe, maybe you can. Okay. So I don't want to necessarily assume I know all things about this, but I think it would be unlikely for someone to masturbate without fantasizing over someone. And what we know in the Bible is that Jesus actually says adultery is not the action with the person it is as well, but it's actually also the lusting over that person. In other words, when he says, if you've committed adultery in your mind, you've actually committed adultery. Now, that is a really uncomfortable thing for most Americans who struggle with pornography addiction and really have a very unhealthy relationship with sex because essentially we're just walking around as adulterers. What does this mean? Essentially what it's saying is that we don't understand the marriage covenant and what it's there for. Jesus is saying not to shame you and condemn you for your sin, but to say, look, you are lacking in understanding of what this part of your life is for. I don't know why the Bible doesn't come right out and include masturbation and some of the other sexual sins that are blanketly, you know, black and white in the word. He doesn't. But what we know systematically is that you're probably not masturbating uh, on, you know, the image of your spouse. You're probably not doing those things without lusting or viewing pornography. And we know from the word that viewing pornography and lusting after someone else you're not married to is a sin. So by nature of deductive reasoning, we could say masturbation is a sin. That's actually where I fall on this category. Now, don't stop listening. If that's if the only reason why you're listening was to figure out what my answer was, don't stop listening. Hear me out just for another few minutes because I want us to understand something. The question is not, can we get away with a certain sin without grieving God? 
the question is, what is the grace of God that's been made available to us and how can we overcome all of our sin? The truth is, you and I, human beings, we are not sexual people first. In America, in the government, in certain states in America right now, Everybody wants our sexual identity to become the most important thing about us. Have you noticed this? It's like it's like how you identify sexually, what your preference is, et cetera, becomes the most important thing about you. But what's interesting is in the kingdom of God, your sexual identity is like the least important thing about you. First and foremost, you and I are not sexual beings. We are spiritual beings. We're not relegated to the things of the flesh. We're not animals. We don't have this like primal sexual drive like some would want you to believe. We are spirit beings. And by nature of the fact that we are made in the image of God, you and I do not actually need sex to have a good life. Now, some of you guys might be like, uh, that's not true. <laughs> and I, I hear you. But I want you to understand that it is possible to live a life having never had sex and to have a very full life that you lack nothing. It's possible to live a life where you do not masturbate, you do not lust after other things, you don't have a, a sex life in your mind, just not in reality, and have a very healthy life. You don't actually need sex. How do I know this? Because what happens on the earth is a pattern of what happens in heaven. And when we are in Christ, our destination is heaven, right? And so when we look at this, we look and say, okay, what is on the earth that doesn't exist in heaven and why? Why is it here on the earth? Well, we're not going to make babies in heaven, so the scripture seems to allude. Now, it's not black and white in there, so we don't, I guess, fully know. But we are reasonably assume that we're not going to make babies in heaven. We know the scripture where Jesus talks about uh, the, the brothers who all married the same woman. You guys know this story. The one brother married her. They didn't have any kids. He died. She marries his brother. They didn't have any kids. He died. This goes on through seven brothers. I mean, talk about a really unfortunate life for that poor woman. And the, the I think the Pharisees or the Sadducees are asking Jesus, who is this woman's husband going to be in heaven? And he makes this shocking statement where he basically says, there's no marriage in heaven. Like, what? I actually preached about this. There's an episode on our Bethel OKC podcast about kingdom marriage if you want to dive more into this particular topic. But essentially what Jesus is saying is that marriage is a construct for the earth. We need it on earth. It doesn't need to be there in heaven because we have no need. We are completely fully redeemed in the presence of Christ for eternity in heaven. And so our spouse doesn't really serve a purpose there. Not that we won't love them or know them or know who they are, but we won't need them in the way that you need Need a spouse on the earth. We also won't need to have sex. And as the Lord's Prayer says, as it is in heaven, so it is, so it can be on the earth, right? And so what I say to you about that is not that we should pursue never having sex. I mean, if you're in a godly marriage, you should be having a lot of sex. You should be enjoying it and you should be going through counseling if you're not to make sure that the baggage that you've got can be healed and dealt with. But it's something that exists for the earth, for a specific construct. So if we're not looking for loopholes in our faith, then we are, we're looking directly at different issues and we're saying, God, what do you think about that? I want to say to you something I believe with every fiber in my being. Lust is a sin that you do not have to be subject to. 
I think because we have had this expression of powerless Christianity so prevalent on the earth, in other words, the the famous Christians are ones that are not necessarily walking free. I mean, gosh, look at the last couple of years and all the exposing that's been happening in sexual sin in the American church. You know, people like, I mean, I'm not even going to slander them all, but there's a bunch of them, people that we look up to, people with great preaching anointing who are powerless to the sexual sin in their life. And it makes us think that you and I are also powerless to it, that we have no ability to fight lust, that we will always be tempted in these ways. And I need to say to you, and you need to hear me say that is not true. In the same way that you can overcome any other sin, you can overcome lust. It's a sin. It's from the devil and you don't have to come under it. One of the ways that we do that is number one, we stop seeing ourselves as sexual beings and we begin to see ourselves as spiritual beings. And then number two, we stop sexualizing the people that are around us. People don't exist to be an object to your fantasy. They just don't. You can interact with someone as a human being with dignity and care and never once have your mind go to a sexual thought with them. You can do that when you're free from lust. But you and I have to make that decision for ourselves. So when we come back to the question of is masturbation a sin, the question to me is more, am I wanting to be in bed with lust? Am I wanting my life to be, I'm a sexual being first? Am I wanting my identity to be my sexual preference? Or am I interested in progressing into a better way of thinking with the Holy Spirit where I begin to see myself like Jesus, not as Jesus, but like Jesus who lived free from these type of temptations? Jesus is ministering to the woman who's caught in adultery and she's, you know, we assume just very scantily clad, if not naked, laying on the ground before him. And never once does it show that he sexualizes her. And I don't think that he left that interaction and began to sexualize her that night. See, you can actually choose where your mind goes, but you get to choose that. You get to decide whether every person that you see fits into a certain fantasy or a pornographic something that you viewed or not. You're actually in the driver's seat of your life. Lust is a sin and we don't have to do it. We don't have to live under it. We can live free from it. And when we do that, we demonstrate powerful Christianity. We demonstrate that the risen Lord is within us, helping us become like him, and that we can differentiate between what is of the world and the devil and what is of God. And God does not sexualize you. God sees you with complete purity, and you and I can enter into that purity as well. Having a healthy relationship with sex, having a kingdom mind towards sex doesn't mean that you embrace all that's out there in some sort of like, I'm enlightened now manner. A couple of years ago, I I, uh, came across this account of this girl that I used to follow who was um, really like proclaiming things about Jesus. And it was awesome. Her testimony was awesome. And then she began to share about how God was teaching her about her sexuality. And I thought, okay, this will be interesting. And so she created a private account for women only where she was going to 
uh, talk about how to be free in yourself. And what it ended up being was a bunch of boudoir photos of her, quote, embracing her sexuality, making me want to vomit. When we embrace our sexuality, it has nothing to do with anyone else. And for me to be a sexually healthy person does not mean that I have to put any kind of image in your mind about that. In fact, what I think she was doing was indulging in things like masturbation and, and that kind of thing and then giving it the name of grace and, uh, and, and, and you know having this like enlightened moment kind of thing, but really just looking for loopholes for her sin. I don't think that we are supposed to look in judgment towards sex, and I don't think we're supposed to look in lust either. You and I, we can actually become indifferent towards this. When we stop sexualizing people, life begins to be a lot more enjoyable. A long time ago, I quit watching any type of sex scene. I'll fast forward through it uh, if I can't avoid it, if it shows up out of nowhere or whatever. And, and really, I like to try to avoid shows that have sex scenes in them at all. And, and here's why. It's porn. It, watching someone else even act out sex is exactly what the Bible talks about, about adultery. Why would we do it? What edification is coming from it for ourselves? And it does open the door for masturbation. So here's my challenge to you. Are you putting any thought towards the sexual side of you in terms of redeeming it for the Lord? Are you putting any thought towards having conversations with Jesus about that part of yourself? I may have lost some of you guys on that statement, but listen, let me just say that when I came into my marriage, I came in a very broken woman. I had been sexually molested by a neighbor who was my age for several years when I was a kid. I was exposed to pornography as a, at a really young age as a result of that, and my perception of sex was really bad. And for the first couple of years of my marriage, I actually really struggled internally with that part of marriage because there was so much baggage in my mind related to past uh, traumas. And if you've ever been through something like that, you probably know exactly what I'm saying. And if you haven't, God bless you. I'm so happy for you. And the only way that I was able to move through that was with the help of the Holy Spirit. The only way that I was able to redeem this part of my life that had gotten so twisted upside down, that had sexualized all of these people that really didn't think masturbation was that bad or, or I would think it was bad and then I would do it, then I would feel shame. And it was just this whole big cycle. And eventually I came to the point with God where I said, look, Lord, I want to be sexually healthy before you. This isn't the bulk of my identity, but I can't pretend it doesn't exist either. And in that place, God began to meet me and teach me. He taught me his word. He taught me how to be confident about who I am in him. He taught me how to come out of shame. He taught me how to know what's right and wrong. He taught me how to tell what is lust and how to uh, uh, avoid it. Look, the Holy Spirit is the only one who can redeem this part of you. Mostly because this part of you I know is so sensitive and you probably don't even want anybody to know that you're listening to this podcast right now. And I get that. So my question again to you is, have you talked to Jesus about this part of your life? I believe that masturbation is dangerous for us because of a couple of reasons. Number one, I don't think hardly anybody can do it without uh, fantasizing over something which is a sin. 
Um, the second component is that it, it actually, on a very biological level, it actually builds muscle memory and changes the way that you are able to receive uh, pleasure, and that affects your spouse. And that can be really harmful to your spouse as well. So just because you're married doesn't mean that all sexual things are, are on the table now for you. Talking about the marriage bed being defiled doesn't mean that that you can, uh, you know that scripture, uh, it doesn't mean that like anything that has to do with sex is allowed just because you're married. There's holy things and there are unholy things and you need to seek the Lord on what that is if you want to be like him, if you want to be close to him, if you want to commune with him. God is not surprised by what's happening in your sex life. I think one of the best things that we can do is invite him into that process in our thoughts, in the the way that we're meditating on things, and allow him to renew our mind so that we can actually have a healthy relationship with sex. What I know to be true is that the world should be looking at Christian marriages and saying, what's different about your marriage? And we can say, it's the Holy Spirit and you need Jesus in your life. But what happens right now is there's very little distinction between a Christian marriage and a worldly marriage, and I think a lot of it has to do with the way that we approach sex and our powerlessness to the things of the world. You don't have to be that way. You can actually overcome, and that is my absolute challenge to you. So again, remember First and foremost, you're not a sexual being. You are a spiritual being. If you're struggling with sexual thoughts that are outside of the bounds of marriage, if you're not married and you're sleeping with someone, if you're not married and you're you're struggling with thoughts of, you know, being attracted to someone in the LGBTQ plus community, if you're whatever it is that's going on in your life, invite Jesus into that because the sexual side of you is not the most important part of your life. You can submit it to the Lord Jesus. Your identity is not connected to who you are sexually. Your identity is that you are a spiritual being made in the image of God. God breathed his breath into humanity and that breath lives inside of you. And that breath is powerful. That breath is transformative. That breath is empowering. And that breath can be applied to this part of you as well. So listen, I'm praying for you. I don't know what's going on in your life. I know that this topic can bring up all kinds of thoughts. And if you've had trauma in your past or you've had uh, a really unhealthy sexual experiences in your past, I'm asking you, I'm imploring you, spend some time with Jesus, present that to him and let him speak to you into that place. He will never shame you. So if you begin to feel shame, that's not from God. God's presence is empowering. There are so many examples of how God treated people with sexual sin in the New Testament. Meditate on those. Look at his kindness and his empowering presence that says to the woman caught in adultery, go and sin no more. And she didn't. Her encounter with the presence of God was enough to change her forever. And it's enough to change you as well. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Art of Being You. Until next time. Be blessed. So you've just listened to The Art of Being You with Rachel Wortman. I hope you enjoyed this episode of my podcast. And listen, it would mean the world to me if you would subscribe and rate or review this podcast on wherever you're listening from. Also, share it with a friend. Help me get the word out. Until next time, be blessed.